If you are a multi-passionate professional or business owner, you have to be about it, which means that you have to be a doer and not just a thinker. Clarity comes from doing. When you do things, it's when you're going to get the clarity of whether that's your thing or if it's just another small passion of yours that's going to pass by. Hey, my name is Ariana, and as an immigrant, wife, young mother, and multi-passionate professional, I currently spend my days trying to figure out this crazy and unpredictable thing called life. After a few chaotic years learning from my mistakes in my early 20s, I've now struck that balance with full-time work at a fabulous tech company and a startup coaching business I run from home. So here we are, making the best of life curveballs and optimizing our opportunities. We talk about all things career, business, money, life, and mistakes and maybe even an after-hour conversation or two. So grab your coffee and pour your wine, and let's get inspired to embrace your weird, all while learning workshop style. The breakout session is about to begin. This is the Side Hustle Experience Podcast. Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first episode of the Side Hustle Experience. I am so excited that you are here, and I am so pumped to launch the podcast for all of my multi-passionate professionals and business owners out there. I decided to launch this podcast because I always thought that I was alone in being a super multi-passionate person, multifaceted, and really not knowing what direction to go in life. And then I found many other people in my community that felt exactly the same. And so I knew that I needed to put together a podcast to really gather all of the rallies and put everybody together in the same place and create this community of not making us feel like we're alone. And so today, the episode that I'm going to be chatting with you all about, it's going to be super fitting because it is about the best tips on thriving as a multi-passionate professional or business owner. And I just thought it was so fitting to be able to have this episode be the first one to open up the show. And today is going to be a solo episode. Although this show is going to be a combination of two, we're going to have amazing experts from the field, whether it is to give you advice on your career or if you want to launch your business and be able to make full-time income in part-time hours. That is my jam. So I decided to put together a roster of amazing people to come and join me. But today I wanted to go ahead and take the mic and tell you a little bit about my journey as a multi-passionate person and how that has shaped me into who I am today and how it came all about. So without any further ado, let's just jump into the best tips I have for you to navigate that specific multi-passionate personality that you might have. And let's jump in. So being multi-passionate, what does it actually mean? Is it good? Is it bad? Sometimes we are so concentrated in fitting in in society and just following everything that our parents tell us or even outside of that, just what everybody else is doing. They go to college, they choose a career and they stick with that. Some people go through career changes and that's fine. But for us, it's a little bit more than that. And so I thought that I wanted to just kind of give you my feedback, my story to begin with, to tell you why I consider myself to be multi-passionate and how that has been such a journey, because it's something to always remember that life, career, business, everything that you choose to do in life is a journey. It shouldn't be a sprint. It's usually not a linear way to get to your goals. It's always going to have mishaps. It's always going to have detours. There are always going to be bumps in the road. Really understanding and being okay with being multi-passionate is the first thing. Think about the amazing talents that you have, the experiences that you've been able to gather along the years because of your multi-passions. 
I have struggled with being multi-passionate as long as I can remember. And I have always carried that guilt of being multi-passionate because it just goes back to everybody around me always knew what they wanted to do. They always had that passion for that one thing and just went for it and became the best that they could. And so the reason why I beat myself up about being multi-passionate is because most of the time I consider myself to be a generalist. And I hate that because I want to be a specialist at something. And I have become specialists at some things, but they're just so insignificant. And it just goes to show that it's because of society's expectations. But I'm here to tell you that it's absolutely okay to be multi-passionate. And I'm going to tell you all of the superpowers that we have as multi-passionate professionals and business owners. And so I wanted to also tell you, as I was doing some research for this episode, I found so many successful women whom I admire that happened to be multi-passionate that had no idea that they were. And it makes my heart happy to hear that there's people who are successful and are multi-passionate. And it makes me feel less alone, which is, again, a reason why I wanted to put together this podcast to let you know that you are not alone, that we are all in it together, and that it is possible to reach a point of success in your life, even if you don't know what lane to pick. So first, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what does multi-passionate really means. And although I was unable to find a formal definition of that, I did find a quote from somebody on Quota, which I thought was so, so sweet and such an amazing way to describe who we are as multi-passionate people. So what this person said in Quota was, multi-passionate people are those who find value in just about everything. They enjoy being around people and learn from them. There is never enough time in the day to fit in all of their interests. They are creative, wanting to try new things, always looking for challenges. And again, as I was unable to find a formal definition of what being multi-passionate really was, what I take it to mean is somebody having deep interest in a vast variety of things, paths, and subjects. That's what I consider to be multi-passionate. But I just wanted to tell you about that quote I found because it was just so sweet the way that he put it, just without a judgment and really just describing us as a personality trait by saying that we just like to try new things. We're always looking for challenges. And I could not agree more. Can I get an amen if you agree with that? Can I get you jump from your seat if you are sitting and just tell me, yes, I agree with that because that's who we are. We love to try new things. We love to look for new challenges. And we just make such well-rounded individuals when you think about it because we are always just going against the grain, challenging the status quo because we say, well, it doesn't mean that it should be continued to be done this way if it's always been done this way. But if you weren't multi-passionate, you wouldn't be interested in challenging the status quo. So let's just jump into my story to just give you feedback into who I am and how I came about. Now, growing up with two brothers, I'm the youngest and the only girl. <laughs> growing up with two brothers who were always so decisive on what they wanted to do, always made it a challenge for me when I was growing up because I could just never decide. You know, when you have children around you and you always ask them, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? One day I wanted to be a doctor. Another day I wanted to be a business owner. And what I mean business owner is I owned a bodega. <laughs> that was the business that I always had. I was always bossing people around. And that was the one thing. I would put a little table with a bunch of plastic vegetables and fake food. And then I'll just have plastic bags that my parents would bring home from the supermarket. And I would just have it by the side and I'll have like fake money from Monopoly. And I would just act like I was selling things in this bodega. So that was the business owner that I imagined myself being. And then another day I was a teacher. You get the gist. I was just always something different every single day. And so when you're little, maybe it's not as daunting because you are 
still trying to figure out life. You're trying to still figure out where you fit in or where to go or who are your mentors? Who do you look up to? But as you get older and becoming an adult, especially in your 20s, when it's just a huge time for self-discovery, it's a great time for you to explore things. That's when things got complicated for me. Because out of a sudden, I just felt this outside pressure of having to decide what I was going to be doing for the rest of my life. And that just daunted me completely. And I want to dig into that a little bit more. When you become an adult, you go to college, you try to pick a major to try and realize what this you want to do for the rest of your life. That is what's wrong right there. The rest of your life. Who says you need to figure out what are you going to do for the rest of your life? That is just a lot of pressure, if you ask me. A lot of pressure. Sometimes I don't even know what I want for breakfast tomorrow morning, let alone tell you right now what I want to do for the rest of my life. Yeah, there are aspects of my life that I know are going to be there forever, like being a mom, which I love having my two little baby girls. I mean, a wife. I mean, a homeowner and just doing what I can to support my family. Those are things that I know are always going to be with me. But having to pick a path on my career and profession is just a lot to think about and a lot to consider. And so to go back to the story of me growing up in my early 20s, when I went to college, I changed majors five times. Five times I changed majors. And it was one of the most stressful times of my life because I always felt this whisper in my ear. Come on, Indiana, just choose something something. I was just so indecisive because I didn't want to make the wrong decision. That's usually what happens with multi-passionate people is that they want to have the power to see the future. Like if I go down this path, am I going to be successful? Am I going to achieve what it is that I'm planning on achieving? But if I don't, am I going to fail? And so when I was in school, I originally wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a math teacher. That's what I've always dreamed of from the age of 15 to 18. That was a long time for me to be dreaming about the same thing, being multi-passionate and all. And then I did that for a year. I was an education major for a whole year, my freshman time in college. Then I decided to switch over to business, undecided, because I really had no idea. There were so many options within business that I that just overwhelmed the crap out of me. So I just didn't know. And so I decided to go to business undecided. Then I took a few courses, you know, marketing, economics, accounting. I knew right away that I did not want to go in an accounting track. It was just too boring for me, too many numbers. And finance was a little bit too complicated for my taste. So when I was ready, I decided to go into business marketing. And that only lasted about a semester because I had a horrible teacher that was doing marketing for a living. And I just like, I don't want to be like that. And that's something else too. It's like, sometimes I feel like I'm a little bit of an extremist. Like I see one example and I assume that that's the general public. Like everybody in marketing is like that. And that was a mistake of mine. And I was young and I really didn't know much about life. So I decided to switch back to business undecided and then decided to do economics, which again, I don't know why I did that because economics has always been such a boring topic for me, but I finally decided on business management. And the reason why I decided on that is because it was my senior year and graduation was creeping in and I needed to choose a track in order for us to understand, meaning myself in the bursar's office, if I had enough credits to even graduate. So I decided to take business management because it was the one that I had all the credits for. I didn't want to have to graduate late. And for the longest time, I didn't tell my parents I switched from 
education to business until I was a junior in college. So for almost two years, I didn't reveal to my family that I had switched majors because I felt this sense of shame. I felt this sense of disappointment that I somehow had disappointed my parents, which is ridiculous because they were just happy I was in school, making good grades and doing good things. But I always self-rejected myself that way. I always was thinking for others and assuming what other people were going to think. So fast forward to graduation. I graduated and I was so blah about graduating. I didn't even walk. I didn't feel that excitement. I didn't feel that sense of accomplishment. I felt like I was incomplete when I was graduating college because I just felt as though I didn't take advantage of the exploratory time that college is. And it just kind of creeped up on me. I was like, oh my God, it's the end. I'm graduating and I felt like I didn't learn much. I feel like I didn't get to explore as much as I wanted to explore. And so I just felt disappointed. I didn't want to walk, so I didn't walk. And then there I was. I was a recent grad with no idea what I wanted to do, no sense of skills or no sense of ambition. Like I was just so lost. Thankfully, I had really good teachers, really good mentors back then. And I had a mentor who I was very vulnerable with. And I told her, I said, I'm lost. I really don't know what to do. I don't know where I want to go. I don't know what I want to do, but I need a job. I need to work. I just graduated. So I need a job like any other recent grad, right? And she said, you know, with your personality, I think that you would do very well in recruiting or human resources. I said, recruiting, what is that? (laughs) I really didn't know what that was. So she actually owns an agency, a recruiting agency, and she was the sweetest, so down-to-earth person I've ever met. Like, she's still a really good friend of mine, and she's still my mentor, somebody whom I trust and reach out to every time I have a career question or something like that. She arranged an interview for me in finance, in the finance world, <laughs> and I... <laughs> It was so interesting because I went into this interview really not knowing how to prepare for an interview. I can't even remember the disaster my resume was back then. I showed up. Some of the questions I didn't even know how to answer. I was just so out of the game. (laughs) And this person, my first boss ever, thank God, he was such a nice guy. He saw the potential in me, I want to say, as a multi-passionate person. I think that I came across that way a lot because I was so unsure. I was so indecisive. I was just so curious all the time about, oh, okay, I got this job, but then what else can I do? And um, I'm going to be here for five months. And then what else can I move on to? Like, I was just always in the go, always thinking of what's next, which could be a good and a bad thing, right? They gave me the job and I was super excited because at the end of the day, when you graduate college, that's what the definition of success of graduating college is, right? Getting a job, really good benefits, really good. I think back then, a salary for somebody my age, somebody just graduating college. And I learned a lot at that job. I was only there for 10 months or so because I got scouted by another company, Univision. If anybody here is from the Spanish community, hey, <laughs> Hispanics, uh, my people. So I was scouted to go into Univision and I worked there for human resources. I was still doing some recruiting, but I was more a generalist when it comes to the human resource profession. And I fell in love with it. I was like, oh my God, because there's just so many things that you can do with human resources. It's really not stale. It's not an everyday same thing. It's always something new. And so I was there for almost four years and it was the place that I've been at the longest And again, I think I've been really lucky by finding amazing mentors. I found a really good mentor there. She was somebody who 
really just opened the doors of her heart and her mind to teach me everything she could about human resources, how to make decisions, how to deal with conflict. She really instilled a lot of confidence in me because even though I had already had a job for 10 months, I just felt so unprepared. And that's when I started to experience a lot of imposter syndrome, although I didn't really know what imposter syndrome was. And hey, little plug here, if you're interested in learning more about that, my next episode is going to be all about imposter syndrome. So make sure that when you finish this one, you go ahead and listen to that second episode. But I started to experience this thing that's called imposter syndrome where you just feel like you don't belong. Like somebody has made a mistake and soon they're going to find out that you don't belong there. Anyways, I found her and I just felt that I was so lucky by finding her. And then later I just realized that I had outgrown that position. There was just no more room for growth at that company. And so I then started looking for other roles and then I got scouted into this other company to become an HR manager, which is the one job that kind of gave me a lot of responsibility, a lot of visibility, a lot of decision-making. And I was there a little bit under a year because 2020 happened, the pandemic hit us and it was devastating for a lot of us. A lot of us went through a lot during 2020. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because it was the job that opened my eyes to what I'm doing today. So I want to get into that because I had a good job. It was a good job. I was getting paid well. I hated the company that I was working for, but that's for another story. And I was having a miserable time. And then this person comes up to me and tells me, hey, do you do career coaching on the side? I'm like, what? Career coaching? What is that? Little did I know that I was already doing career coaching on the side without realizing it. You know, as a recruiter and human resource professional, I always had friends and family coming to me to help them prepare for interviews, do resumes, do LinkedIn, so on and so forth. But I didn't know that I was career coaching. And plus, I wasn't even charging for any of that. I was just doing it because it was fun and it was something that I could help people do, right? So he mentioned that to me and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. So I started going into the rabbit hole of searching on Google what career coaches were. And then I discovered the career coaching world. And if you are a multi-passionate person, you know what I'm talking about, that when you set your eyes and your mind to something, because you have that passion and that curiosity, you just kind of go into that deep hole of researching everything and anything you can about that particular topic. And then you become sort of like an expert for a hot minute until that fizzles out. So please let me know via DM on Instagram, Side Hustle Experience. Let me know if you can resonate with that because I cannot be the only one that does this. I just go into this rabbit hole of going through all of this information, studying everything, becoming the little expert for a hot minute, and then it fizzles out. But this one didn't. So let me tell you, when I started doing that about the career coaching, that's when I found that fire in my belly. I was like, this is so interesting. I would love to help people. I have the experience of being a recruiter and I think that I have what it takes to help people how to land jobs. And I started doing that, but then bam, you know, the pandemic happened and no one wanted to spend money on career coaching. No one wanted to, I mean, I don't blame them because there were just no jobs available. People were being fired left and right and businesses were closing their doors, unfortunately. And so what people started asking me was, hey, I know that you were doing career coaching for a year or so while you were working full time. I want to do the same. I don't know what's happening with my job. So I want to launch a business and I just don't know how to do it. The initial of the pandemic, a lot of people were asking me those questions and I'm 
like, hmm, maybe this is another avenue that I can take. I did side hustle for a little bit. And I think that although I'm not an expert in it, I think that I can help people at least launch their business because I launched my own business. I did help a lot of friends launch their business for free. I didn't know that I was even coaching. I was just kind of giving her all the information and, and assets that I had for my own path. And that is when I found, it's like, oh my God, I love doing this. This is awesome. Talking about marketing and personal branding and how to lend your first client and the type of offers that you can create and how to create content to sell to your clients and all of that. And I actually have my first client, June, who would be one of our guests very soon. She is killing it, killing it, you guys, on LinkedIn, getting interviews everywhere and being featured. She was my first client ever. To tell you that she was one of my favorite people to work with is an understatement. But she really helped me find that passion in me of, it doesn't necessarily mean that I need to coach in one path specifically, but I'm just a coach, a natural coach, an educator, and a teacher. That's just who I am by heart. And I didn't know that I was that until I went through those experiences. So that's what I'm trying to get at with my story is that it is okay to be multi-passionate, but what you have to do is you have to take action. You have to take action to find out what it is that you like and what you don't like, because you don't want to have this analysis paralysis of not knowing what to do and therefore not doing anything at all. That's where we're going to be getting at in this episode. Now that I've told you my story, there's a lot of holes in this story that I didn't go into because I didn't think that it would be relevant, but I just had a lot of open downs. I've had a lot of doors to open. I've had a lot of journeys. I've had a lot of paths and my husband will actually be one of our guests as well. And he can, he can tell you everything that I've been through with my journey to find this podcast being the thing that I'm super excited about and that I know I'm going to be in it for the long haul because I can talk about all of my passions without feeling guilty about it. It is an avenue that I can put everything and anything that I can think of that can serve you as a community that can feel related to me, that can feel you're not alone, that can feel that, yes, Ariana, I feel you. I know what you're going through. I know what you're talking about. I can't do that in any other platforms because everybody's telling you to niche down and to talk about the one exact thing every single day. But here we have the opportunity to just go ahead and open our hearts and our minds and talk about the topics that we want to talk about without feeling guilty about, hey, the person from yesterday listen to a multi-passionate podcast. So tomorrow they can listen about finance. BS. BS. So now that I've told you my story, let me tell you the reason behind me coming up with this podcast episode. And that is the story that society tells us about being multi-passionate. And what that is, is that multi-passionate people are often flaky, they're shallow, they're indecisive, they're not focused. And it could not be further from the truth. My husband can tell you I'm the most focused person he knows. When I put my mind to something, I am not doing anything else but that one thing. I will give you the indecisive one. I tend to be a little bit indecisive, but once I make that decision, that's it. Not going back. And I've learned to do that now that I'm a mom with my toddler. She's going to be three in January, which I cannot believe. But you have to be stern with them. You know, when you tell them no, it's no. You cannot flake. You cannot change your decision because then they're not going to respect you. So that's when I started to be a little bit more decisive. I'm like, okay, this is what it is and that's it, okay? And then being shallow, I, I don't agree with that at all. I, I don't know where people get that, that we're shallow. I think that we're very deep people. It's just that we tend to quickly understand what we don't like. And then being flaky, I don't think my friends would describe me as being flaky. I'm a huge homebody. So if we have plans to go somewhere and you cancel it, I'm going to have a little party because I'm like, oh, I get to stay home. But I would not flake on you. If I tell you that I'm going to be there, I will be there. 
So I can only talk about myself when it comes to those things and the misconceptions that society has about us being multi-passionate. I wanted to put that out there because in reality, being multi-passionate is such a beautiful thing that brings tons of joy. It brings a lot of energy to the room. It means that you are willing to put in the work to go the extra mile so that you can find out what it is that you want to do. What is the thing for you? Although you are multi-passionate, what is that thing that's going to make you feel that fire in your belly? And I will be linking a awesome blog post that I found by Marie Forleo. And it is tips about how to thrive as a multi-passionate entrepreneur and business owner. I'm talking more about both multi-passionate business owner and career professional because I'm serving both audiences here. That's who I am. I'm a business owner and I'm also a professional by trade and by day. So I have a nine to five and then I also run a coaching business from six to nine, if you may. Hey there. If you're enjoying the podcast, I would so much appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It would help the show reach more multi-passionate professionals and it gives me feedback on what direction to take future episodes. I have linked a tutorial on how to do so in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. Okay, so now the juicy part, (laughs) the really good parts that are going to give you some actionable steps that you can walk away from in this episode. So the first thing that I want to tell you, if you are a multi-passionate professional or business owner who's struggling to find your thing, who's always just going different directions and not really getting, staying focused at least for three months. So I have a rule of thumb with my passions. I do things for three months and then decide whether I want to continue to do them or not, because I can realize by three months, if it's something that's going to give me joy, that's going to give me energy. And I can already tell by this podcast that it's going to be my thing because I sit down, it's 9.44 p.m. right now, and it is Tuesday. I have already been up almost all night with my seven-month-old, breastfeeding her. I woke up at 8 o'clock this morning, got ready, got my daughter ready for school, and got ready for work. So I've been working from 9 to 5. At 5 o'clock, I jumped on an interview that I had for another podcast. Her name is Gabby and she hosts the podcast Corporate Quitter. So you should totally go and take a listen if you're interested in that. It was an awesome episode. Then from there, I had a client call from seven to eight. Then at eight o'clock, I had dinner with my husband and now back to the computer to do my podcast episode. And I have to tell you, I was debating whether I should do this episode today because I was so low on energy. I was so tired. And as soon as I hit record, I just felt my voice kind of picking back up. I'm getting the chills just talking about this and just super excited about telling you my journey of how I've become to where I'm at and how that can help you. How can you avoid those mistakes? And the way that you can avoid these mistakes is by doing these things sooner. So I'm going to tell you how to thrive as a multi-passionate professional and business owner by doing the next few things. First is finding a mentor. I cannot believe that it took me that long to find a mentor. And sometimes I think it's because we feel our ego just gets on our way of like, I'm just going to figure this out on my own, or I don't need to ask anybody any questions, or I don't need to tell anybody that I'm going through this. Finding a mentor is so important, regardless of your stage in life. Even if you're a high school student, it's important to have a mentor. Why? Because this mentor is somebody who either has been where you want to be, 
And it doesn't mean that they have to be older than you because some people who are younger are already at the stage where you want to go or be in. Finding a mentor is just a great opportunity for you to ask tons of questions. Hey, what do you like about this path? What do you like about this career? What do you like about this business? What don't you like about this business? What don't you like about this career? And asking questions so that you don't have to go through the trial and error. And even if you still want to go through that path, at least you have somebody who's already done that, been there, done that. And it's able to give you guidance in a way that you can either reach that goal a lot quicker or avoid things that you don't want to do, period. Finding a mentor does not have to be complicated, you guys. You can go to LinkedIn and try to find somebody that you can connect with. It could be a tío or a tía or your mom or your papa, like anybody in your family. It could be your sister, your brother, your partner, somebody on social media. Like I found so many people on social media who now have become mentors of mine or even close friends in business that we chat about different things. We bounce ideas of each other. And again, having a mentor is just going to help you find the answers to those questions. Now, mentorship and coaching are totally two different things. Mentorship are people who are technically going to draw off experience to give you answers to things. They're going to walk you through those things step-by-step. Coaching is about asking powerful questions to help you find your own answers. So keep that in mind, you know, no, don't confuse mentorship with coaching. All right. So now you found a mentor. That's great. Also remember that you should keep track of those mentors. You shouldn't just have a conversation with them today. And then a year later, have another. Try to meet with them if allowed or permissible by them in your schedule. Have a meeting every quarter. I mean, depends on what it is that you're working on, but I think every quarter would be a healthy amount of time. Something else that I did, which I wish I would have done earlier, is to keep a journal of the things you are exploring. Be intentional about what it is that you liked and didn't like about that experience. So what I do is, for example, in this case, I'm putting together this podcast. I am keeping a journal of everything that I felt when I was coming through my ideas, the name of the podcast, the type of episodes I was going to create, the type of community I wanted to foster, the type of people I wanted to speak to. And every single day when I'm putting together some of the bullet points that I want to talk about in this episode, I write down how I feel. Five months from now, even three months from now, I want to go back to that journal and realize how fired up I felt about all of this, how many ideas I had, and how it made me feel, how it energized me, because that's something else that I'm trying to watch out for. I'm a huge introvert in case you didn't know. And so I have to be very careful on the type of energy that I attract to me because I tend to be an empath as well where I draw off of people's energies. And when you have that negativity or that aura to you, that usually translates to how I'm feeling and all of that other stuff. But going back to keeping the journal, I think it's important for you to be intentional about that because it's just going to remind you the reason why you're doing what you're doing. Always knowing your why and going back to that is really going to help you, specifically if you're multi-passionate, because it's going to try to keep you on task. I'm not trying to keep you here to put yourself in a box. I'm like, you shouldn't be multi-passionate and you should be focused. That's not it at all. You need to give a fair chance to the things that you want to try out. You can just try it out for two days and say you don't like it anymore. Try to do it a lot longer because that's what's going to help you find your thing. And you are not going to stop being multi-passionate because it's a personality trait. That's something like you cannot change that. But at least you're trying to realize who's your main character, And who are your extras? So when you're in a movie or in a show, you have 
your cast, right? You have your Monicas and Chandlers. By the way, if you didn't know that, I'm a huge Friends fan. This is a fun fact about me. I've watched the show 12 times, the complete seasons from zero to 10, 12 times in a row. So let's say that, you you know, you have your Chandlers and your Jennifer Aniston's and Courtney Cox's of the world. And you also have Phoebe's husband, which is like an extra, right? He's only on for a few episodes. He's not the main character. So when you are multi-passionate, when you're keeping track of the things that you're exploring, the things that you're doing in a journal, you are intentional about keeping track of who is your main character and who's your extras, because that's what's going to help you stay focused on what it is that you want to do. And it's going to help you not burned out because when you are doing so many things at once because of all of your passions, it's just going to feel like you're kind of all over the place and it's going to make you feel disorganized. Trust me, I've been through that season in my life and it's not fun. Not fun at all. So the next thing that I want you to do is be aware of your intentions. Because someone else is doing it doesn't mean that you should do it as well. Sometimes you find things that other people do fascinating, but it doesn't mean that you're passionate about that. It just means that you're interested in learning a little bit more. It's interesting of you maybe following the path that that person is following by just keeping up with their journey as opposed to doing it yourself. It's like when you have a passion or a hobby, it doesn't mean that it all should be monetized. It doesn't mean that it all should be a business. It's just something that you do for fun to keep you sane from your day to day. Something else, and I really mean this one, you guys, if you take anything away from this show, this is it. If you are a multi-passionate professional or business owner, you have to be about it. You have to be about it, which means that you have to be a doer and not just a thinker. Clarity comes from doing. When you do things, it's when you're going to get the clarity of whether that's your thing or if it's just another small passion of yours that's going to pass by. And in order for you to do that, you have to be clear with your goals. What is it exactly that you want to achieve? And I'll give you an example. As a multi-passionate person, I am somebody who has shiny object syndrome, which means that I want to be everywhere. I want to have all the things when it comes to social media, be everywhere. I want to have a blog. I want to have a YouTube. I want to have a podcast. I want to be on TikTok. I want to be on Instagram. I want to be on LinkedIn. I can't do that because I have two kids. I work full time and I have a husband and a house and everything else in between. So what I do is I ask myself, okay, if I want to be on LinkedIn, what is the purpose of me being on LinkedIn? Why do I want to get out of it? And in this case, I'm a career inside hustle coach. So LinkedIn is a great place to be at because there's a bunch of professionals who need career coaching and a lot of people who are interested in potentially having more flexibility on income and building a side hustle aside from their full-time work. So LinkedIn is a natural choice for me, right? Okay, boom, boom, boom. I checked all of those boxes. Great, I'm gonna be on LinkedIn. So I also need a quick, snappy place to be in, right? I've tried Instagram like anybody else. I've tried it, I really did. And now I just created a brand new Instagram for this show because I just love the community-based aspect of Instagram. It's just a lot quicker to connect with people and you have a lot of features. You can show up on stories and tell people what it is that you're doing. You can do reels, you can do long videos, lives, you can DM people, you can comment. There's just so much that you can do. So it's definitely a platform that I don't want to stay away from because of the community building aspect of it. Okay, boom, I checked those boxes and then I wanted one more and that was TikTok. I was like, you know what? I don't want to miss out on TikTok because it is one of the early ones that I can finally jump in. And now I'm ready to create content in that way. So we are growing. I'm about to hit 20,000 followers there, which is super exciting. And I'm there because it's quick. It's me. I love doing videos. And I've really connected with a lot of people who love what I talk about and love my background and always have awesome questions. So I'm there. 
But, you know, if I wanted to create a blog, I'm like, hmm, let me see, why do I want to create a blog? What is the point of me creating a blog? What is that going to give me? How is that going to pay back? What is the time constraint that I need for that? And the reality is that after doing some research, a lot of my demographics are not really into reading blogs. They're more on the go. These are professionals who have very limited time and they're not going to have time to read a blog. They most likely are going to have time to listen to a podcast. Wink, wink. Know what I mean? Hint, hint. (laughs) They're going to be able to listen to a podcast when they're either driving on their commute or taking transportation or even doing the dishes. You know, as busy moms, we don't have a lot of time to read books, to read blogs, to watch YouTube videos which is another reason why I decided against YouTube, because although I've tried YouTube before, it's just too time-consuming. I have to get ready. It's a whole production. So right now with this podcast, I am in my pajamas, in the comfort of my own home, just not feeling like putting makeup on with my hair a mess. And that's okay, because all you're hearing is my voice. And that's how I decided on podcast. So if that helps you really narrow down things, remember to go back to your why, to your goals. What is it exactly that you're trying to achieve and get out of this? That gives you clarity because you're going to start doing things as opposed to just thinking about it. Something else that I want to tell you about how to thrive as a multi-passionate professional and business owner is to trust your intuition. It often serves you a lot more than you think. When something doesn't feel right in your gut, maybe because it isn't right. And if something feels good and scary and kind of that shallow feeling in your stomach, kind of like that pit in your stomach, it's excitement, it's anxiety in a good way because you don't know what's to come. But trust your intuition because it always serves me well. Lastly, the last point I wanted to make on how to thrive as a multi-passionate professional and business owner is to consider building a brand instead of a business. Let that sink in. Consider building a brand instead of a business. And I'll give you an example. Specifically for us multi-passionate people, it's most likely that we might switch things here and there, that we might want to switch niche or who we're serving or a career we're doing. It's best to just have a brand because the brand is who you are, not necessarily the business, but who you are as a person and how people connect with you. How do they feel that they connect, that they relate, that they say, yes, I vibe with Ariana because she likes Nutella. She has two kids. She loves to wear comfy clothes. She likes to wear her hair curly. All of that is part of your brand. And it doesn't matter if I teach how to launch a podcast or if I teach you how to find a job. If you can vibe with me for the fact that we're moms, bam, that's a sold client. All right, so let's do a quick recap of what we have been talking about in this episode on how to thrive as a multi-passionate professional and business owner. First, I want you to be okay with being multi-passionate. You need to own it and ignore the norms of society, of you not being focused, of you being indecisive and shallow, because that's not who you are. Being multi-passionate is a beautiful thing that brings tons of joy and a lot of energy. And here are the things that you can do to thrive. Find a mentor. Keep a journal of the things you're doing and be intentional about it. Be aware of those intentions. Be clear with your goals. Understand the differences between having a main character and extras. Who's your main person? What's the main aspect of that passion? How is everything else connected to that passion? The next thing is be about it. Be a doer, not just a thinker. Clarity comes from doing. Trust your intuition because it often really serves you very well. And consider building a brand instead of a business. You can change your business and your supporters will probably still follow you if they can feel related to that brand of who you are as a person. 
All right. And that will bring us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for coming in and tuning into this very first episode of the Side Hustle Experience. There are three more episodes for you to binge on. I am so excited to go ahead and let you into this crazy journey of becoming a podcaster. And I am so happy to go through it with you. Let's go ahead and build this community that I am so excited to start off by giving this podcast a review. If you liked it and if you found it helpful, make sure to share it on social media, tag us on Instagram, Side Hustle Experience, and I'll be sure to reshare it. And give us a follow as well as a review if you can, if you really found this helpful. And I will see you on the next episode, same place, same time. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode, and I hope that it served you well. If you enjoyed it or found it to be something that resonated with you, share that takeaway with me over on Instagram so that the community can also see it. And if you tag me at Side Hustle Experience, I will be sure to reshare it. Your support and feedback means the world to me. I hope to have you back on the next episode at the same time, same place. Over and out.